I don't want you to be troubled by this. All right. Time I think that's not, yeah, mind. that was the gist of it. Yeah, that last part's the, the important That's stuff. the big one, the thing about the loops. Yeah. So, I guess I'll have to put in the uh, the intro for this episode. Yeah. Oh, it's just, a spoiler. So yeah, to contextualize it, it for people who haven't watched the show, I mean, it's not a huge spoiler, but... Um, well, it's a huge spoiler that when it's revealed that Bernard is a robot, yeah. which is... It's two weeks ago's episode, not this most right. recent one. So the whole premise of the show is, like, what's... Is the theme part with... Robots that look exactly like humans have been programmed by one guy talking there Ford to think like humans and react like humans and feel like humans and Bernard has thought he's a human for his entire existence up until last week We find out he's actually a robot, but he actually understands humans and robots better than everybody else and um, So he's kind of he just found out he's a robot and that's the whole central dilemma where you could see how that would kind of fuck with someone's head a little right. bit. You find like, out you're not real. Right. He's an expert on human nature and an expert on programming these machines to feel more human. But he's a robot in himself, so he's been programmed to feel that way. So it's a very big crisis uh, that he's going through. But the, the, the part we wanted to get at was more of like being in the loops. So, you know, he mentioned something like, you know, humans are also, they're not that different from the hosts, the machines, because they're in their own loops, you know, all pain is imagined, everyone's part of a certain routine, you know, everyone's content to just be told what to do and carry on their lives, and his, this guy Ford's argument is kind of, you're not really missing anything by being a robot, there is no great consciousness or great feeling um, that he's missing out on, which we kind of agree with and don't agree with. Yeah, so I guess the main thing... I guess I'll start with what I agree with. So, yeah, we most humans definitely do live in these sort of loops where, you know, it's not a program that you're living based on, but these social constructs where this is actually a blog post that I wrote last week where you're sort of expected to get a job and um, work your nine to five. And nine to five. five Bring that joke back. Um and plan for the future, maybe put some money in your 401k, uh, I guess even before that, go to college, maybe grad school, all that stuff, relationships. Buy a house, get married, buy a car, start yeah. a family. All the good stuff. And uh, It's kind of imprinted in you ever since you're a child, like that's the path you need to take. Right, you see your parents taking the path, so even if it's not explicitly stated, you you're, you see it in your surroundings. And that that is sort of a loop in itself even without it being constructed by anyone on purpose, it just kind of, it's a loop that exists and people sort of conform to their loops. Um, in an even more um, simplistic sense or a more uh, smaller level sense, the loops that you fall into within your friend groups or your family where you have certain interests and deviating from the norm is sort of frowned upon or would ostracize you, um, that stuff is there too. And if people think that they aren't controlled it's only in the sense that they aren't being controlled by something specifically but you are being controlled by your surroundings whether you like it or not at least to some extent oh you're being controlled by what you've been taught is the proper path to take in life and that's instilled in you by all these external factors and all these extrinsic values that have been imparted on us all through you know media family society all that bullshit um, but I mean, I, I guess anybody who listens to us knows that like that's a major, you know, the theme of 
you know, bucking against convention is something that we do in every article, Mies writes, <laughs> every conversation <laughs> that we you have. will one day, right? Yeah. Every, I mean, everything, this whole sort of preaching sense is saying like, you don't have to think that way. You don't have to get caught up in that loop and get caught up in that bullshit. There are different ways to go about your life. There's are different ways to success than the 40 hour work week. There are different ways to become rich rather than, you know, having a 401k and investing in stock options and all that, whatever. Right. You and can, I'll interject something real quick. It's yeah. not that there's something necessarily wrong with the loop. It may be great for most people. It's not probably is good. Yeah. It's just not, it's not worse or better. It just, it, it doesn't have to be what you do. Right. So, yeah. um, I guess to that extent, we agree with, uh, for that's the character in the show who's giving the speech, um, that humans are in loops just as much as robots are. The difference is that, I mean, hopefully people like us, but people who are aware of this and reflect and do that sort of thing can at the very least extend their loops and make them wider so that there's more of a range of things that you can do. Even maybe eviscerating the entire loop is a possibility for some people where you just, you know, uh, our friend Jordan just got up and moved to Denmark out of nowhere to do a graduate program. I mean, that's completely outside the loop. Uh, some people turn into Buddhist monks and go meditate for their entire lives. I don't know, but they're not saying you need to do these things, but there are possibilities more than what is normally imagined. Yeah. And it's like, the thing that I disagree with what he was saying is like, I think the point he's trying to kind of make is you're in a loop no matter what you're doing, whether you're the owner of this park like he is and you create these robots, you give them sentience and you program all their lives or you're a robot yourself or you're a visitor to the park, everybody, or I guess the point of the whole park is to escape your normal loop. But um, he makes the argument that there is no greater consciousness and we're all just content where we are and you're not, he says at the end, you're not really missing anything by being a robot. You're not missing some greater feeling. Um, and that's a little nihilistic mm-hmm. <laughs> in yeah, its way. I think that's what we disagree with. Um, I mean, anyone who listens to this could know that we aren't huge supporters of the 40 hour work week and <laughs> yeah. all these conventions. Um, and there are ways to, I think the reason, the, one of the main reasons people don't go against these conventions because they're scared of the alternatives or they're not sure like how they'll be able to do like I I'm I fall into this line where it's like I like to do dope shit but I can't do dope shit unless I have a job that lets me afford to that pays me to be able to afford to do dope shit really and it's like I you know if I could quit and just do nothing uh, I would love to do that but you can't do nothing you need some right. kind of form of income or some kind of way to pass the time um, but you don't necessarily need that like this is something we were talking about that someone we know is having a lot of I don't know if you want to name this person, but someone's having a lot of angst over some issues that aren't necessarily like long-term uh, factors. And I, mean, we're, I don't know who you're talking about yet, but go on. Uh, well, it's, it's pretty obvious. This person's very close to you. Is it me? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I guess it could be describing so, me or my brother, but sure. Right, yeah, yeah. Kevin, not Yeah, him. yeah. Well, I don't want to call him out. but um, It's Kevin or, and myself. Yeah, but it's like, <laughs> it's like if you fail a test or if like you get fired from your job or if you know, you miss a payment, like what, at what point is it acceptable to freak out? This is a conversation we were having. Like people freak out about a lot of shit. Like, Oh man, like I might break up with my girlfriend or, Oh man, like I might get a D in this class or, Oh man, I'm going to have to take another year at college. Like that's all fine. Like everything's going to be fine. Like I rationalize everything. It's like, am I going to die here? No. Okay. It's going to be fine. Like there's no need to freak out unless I'm going to die. Right. That is not real stress. There is real stress and that is not what real stress is. 
you mentioned something interesting about, um, was it the consciousness point? Yeah, I think so. So, um, there is no greater consciousness, right? Um, we're all a bunch of slaves. <laughs> the thing that he's missing is being, is the, is the freedom of choice to reflect on himself and actually make changes. He is aware to some extent of what's going on in his head. He's a machine that is self-aware, but because he is programmed, he has no freedom to change anything. Right. And he knows that now. Right. He knows everything in his life. Like he, he still felt all these feelings. So Ford actually gave him these, I mean, I guess he's kind of devil's advocate to the point that we don't agree with, but Go on. he was programmed to feel all these great things. Like what are the great joys in life that a robot wouldn't have? You know, you would say it's love. It's the experience of, you know, being with someone that per happiness that you get from having a family and someone to love and all that kind of shit. <laughs> um, and like the joys of being, you know, just family and that kind of stuff. Like it's like the relationship joys, but he still felt that way and he still felt the, the joy from it, but he still felt the pain from it too. Right. Well, I think you're going back into the part that we actually agree with, which is fine. I, I definitely agree with that too, where, um, memories are just thoughts that arise now. Memories are things that have already had consequences and all they are to you now, emotional pain is just stuff that you think about. There's no tangible impact of past pain anymore. I mean, there maybe was one suffering associated with the pain, but the suffering is gone now. Otherwise, it would be current pain, not emotionally past pain. So there is really no tangible difference between imagined pain and real pain. They're, it's, they're both just feelings you have in your mind. And yeah. that doesn't mean that they're not real. It just means that they would be the same whether the feelings came from something that actually happened or something that you just perceived to have happened. It actually reminds me of this really good quote or song lyric to that I actually wrote down. I was listening to it. And some, it's pretty similar to a line he said, but it's, the past is just a story we tell ourselves. It's, it's my, this band, Dr. Dog, dope, dope band. Uh, <laughs> songs I think live in a dream, but like, I remember that I wrote that down. Like I actually like scribbled it on my, my notes or my desk or something back when I first heard it, but on your desk. it's pretty true. It's, I read song lyrics on my desk, like a fucking freak, but <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it's true. It's like the past is just a story we, we tell ourselves. It's all something we've created. Like the memory we've gone over this before. It doesn't really remember things exactly how they happen. Just remembers them, how you perceive them to happen. Right. It associates the emotions you were feeling in that moment. So if it was something particularly painful, painful for you, you're going to remember it a lot worse than it actually looked to, you know, an outsider say like, you know, me watched me and my girlfriend break up. Like he's going to say like, yeah, it wasn't that bad. But I'm be like, oh man, it was a fucking blood fest. In there. <laughs> like there was blood and guts and piss and shit everywhere. He's going to be like, yeah, you just cried, like a little. Aristocrats <laughs> just cried a little bit, but uh, no, it's really everyone's memory of these very similar events is always different. It is how you program yourself and the stories that we tell ourselves and we all write in our own heads constantly that are being re-edited and reshuffled. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I definitely agree with that, that statement because whether, whether the story actually happened or it didn't happen or it ha it happened to some extent, it's just an exaggeration of the truth, either for the better or for the worse, all that's left of it is just memory. So you're, you may not be consciously telling yourself this story, but in your subconscious, the story is being replayed over and over again. And it, whether it's joy or pain or whatever feelings, it's all just a story that continues to play out in your mind. And it's not, it's not actually there anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's really, it's, 
I mean, we're, we're off somewhere different than where we started here, but so the whole point of the quote is really human beings, we're all just kind of on this straight path. It reminds me of another song, <laughs> Dave Matthews Band, all the little ants are marching, mm-hmm. you know, to the to this beat of this one drum and just doing what they're told. And people aren't really getting out of that and they're kind of just content in their misery or content in the way their life is because they don't see really any other way out of it. Which were, which uh, leads us to this other uh, discussion we've been having based on what was the guy's name Jordan Jordan Peterson. Oh well, first of all, the ant thing is literal. It's literally true about the loop. If the if the queen ant dies, the ants will just walk around in a spiral forever until they die because there's no more uh, conscious center for them. So I, I don't know. That's just weird. The, they literally are. In the a queen loop. is literally the brain for the ants. Yeah. Like I know ants are pretty fucking. They're crazy species. But like they're, everything they do, they're they're pretty much just these hosts, these robots for Westworld. Yeah. Everything they do is just to satisfy the queen. Or like every ant has a job, and they all fall in line. And if one ant, they're all marching in line. And like the first, like if you're the one hundred first ant, and the first hundred before you all die, you're gonna keep marching, and you're gonna keep going, yeah. and you're not even gonna think twice about it. Like if you see a huge fire in front of you, and all the other ants just walked into it and burned to a crisp. You're gonna keep going. You're not gonna learn <laughs> know any better. No. And it's a pretty fucked up metaphor, but that's kind of true, what though. we're saying. How people live their yeah. lives that way and follow this path of convention. There was this point about consciousness that I want to bring back up before we get into uh, this guy Jordan Peterson, um, where you mentioned that you need to be in this loop a bit just so you can do the things that you want to do. And I think, yeah, my philosophy on it, which I think you agree with, is do your loop just to the extent that you need to so that you can actually do the things you want to just do nothing that is a social norm and only do what you want. You're going to suffer some, some, some consequences for that because there are certain things that help you gain status. Like having a respected job helps you get a future job. Having money helps you have security. Like you do need those. You can't just only have the things that you want. You do sort of have these necessities that are required to some degree, um, so I guess we can be like ants walking in a circle for a little bit, but only only as far as we we need to, and then you know just do whatever else you want to as much as possible, but not entirely. Yeah, and I don't know if this is quantifiable, but I wonder how many people set out with that in mind that okay, I'm going to do this for a certain point. Whether it be until I save up this certain amount or whether until I get sick of it or whether to like accomplish the goal I want to achieve and then I'm going to start doing the things I love. And they have that in mind when they start, but they never really get to the point where they give up. And I think that's going kind of the, um, the millennial versus Gen X mindset, where it's like Gen X, it's like everybody, this is a stat that I actually learned from a teacher that I used to work with um, at an old job, but he said that like Gen Xers kept on average like one job for over 20 years, like the very vast majority, but on average every student born in the last, or every student born, or every child born in the last five years or so will on average have at least eight different jobs and three different careers completely. So they'll be doing tons of different shit their whole lives, just bouncing around, not wanting to be tied in line. Where I think there is the, we grew up, the people, our parents and our ancestors before us grew up with the mindset is like, I just need to keep working, I need to keep putting food on the table, keep need to be making money. Whereas nowadays we're not as beholden to that, but I still think 
it is a prevalent thought that people think I need to have a I always need to have a job. I always need to be getting income. I always need to, you know, keep, keep the income coming so I can have my status or I can stay on my path, whatever that may be. Yeah. I guess the people, our generation are more beholden to different things other than work because our generation certainly does a better job of um, giving up on, or I guess giving up is the wrong term, but moving on from employment when it becomes a detriment to your well-being. And uh, we may not do the same in terms of relationships or other, <laughs> yeah, other contracts. People, people have constructs in our generation that they're very much tied to, but it's not so much employment, at least not to the extent that, uh, that, our, that the previous generation had. So I guess we're a little bit better at that, but we may not be better at many other aspects of this problem. Yeah, that's a good point. Like I never really thought, I, we always tie it back to work. I guess that's just because our main thing, but you can put it to every, like being in a relationship that's not working or like, I have fucking shirts that I don't really like that much, <laughs> but I still wear them just because I don't want to buy a new shirt. You know, I'm too cheap to buy a new shirt yeah. or whatever that is. But the shirt makes you miserable. You just get another <laughs> shirt. It's not that expensive. Exactly. Or like buy a new video. I've been playing one video game the last eight fucking years. Halo? <laughs> yeah. Same Halo? Yeah. Well, no, there's a new Halo that just came out. But like seriously, I, I won't buy new things just because I'm stuck in my loops mm-hmm. here. Wow. <laughs> and that um that is the one thing I think that does set apart going back to Westworld uh the humans from the robots is the ability to analyze our loops and actually change them which I think um but there's not the many people are doing that no I guess so Ford's comment about humans and robots being the same is true in a general sense but there's some small group of people hopefully us uh that will actually be able to break out of the loops that we have or at least try to, and I think that that's the biggest thing. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I want to ask our audience, our, our devoted listeners a question. <laughs> that's the term you kept using. I thought that was funny. But shout out to the devoted listeners. Yeah, all, all, uh, I think there's like 75 to 100 of yeah, you Yeah, but... I might be ambitious, but sure. Oh, damn, that'd be tight. There's 75 <laughs> to 100 of you. We love you guys. But uh, I'm going to ask you this question and pause the pod- podcast for a minute and think about it. Like, if you... You know, if you like your job, whatever, maybe it wouldn't, you know, resonate with you as much. But if you're kind of just doing what you're doing just to do it, just to have something to pass the time, just to make money and to enable you to pay rent, put food on the table, have fun on the weekends, whatever. If you just dropped your job, would you be all right? You know, just figuring shit out for the next couple months for, I mean, this is something Mies and I talk about all the time. Like how long would you be fine for? Could you just go? Like if I quit my job tomorrow, how long would I be okay until I needed to actually start putting putting money back in my bank account? But like, would I be content to just figure shit out from there? Would I be content to run out of money and figure it out from there? Like that's something I don't think people think about enough. Like what is the actual repercussions of getting out of a situation that I'm not enjoying? And like, think about it with your relationships. Think about it with your shirts, <laughs> your video games, Every, right, all yeah. the stuff that matters. But yeah, I don't, I don't think we like until you asked me that. I didn't like really take the time to sit back and think like, okay, if I you know got out of this thing that I'm not enjoying, what's it actually going to look like? And I've, you know, it's it's a scary thing to look at. It's scary to think about. Like. It's a scary thing to do, like to walk into work and be like, I'm just going to quit. Okay, what are you going to do? I don't really like know. liberating though. I've done it. <laughs> yeah. The, the, few, the few hours after you quit a job are as, as good as it gets. Yeah. Well, well that's another thing too. Uh, this is a mindset that I possess. Like I wouldn't be able to quit until I had something else lined up. Mm-hmm. And, like I wouldn't be able to leave one thing until I, there was another, you know, something else to replace it or take its place. But if you had nothing to take its place, would you be okay? 
I think the answer to that is always going to be yes. Like, like I said, unless you're going to die. It depends for how long, but sure. Right. I mean, some people, I, I, I don't recommend everybody go out and quit your job. Like, <laughs> if you need the money, and like, keep doing it. And you're probably going to have to find another job, so will that job even be better? But at least, at least asking yourself the question, asking yourself these difficult questions is important. You should know, or at least try to consider what other options are available to you. And, um... I think that there's a fine line between just saying, fuck it, I'm going to do nothing forever. Like, um, I guess the really, uh, the really leftist liberals, uh, the millennial, yeah, are a lot of our friends. Um, it can become, it's a fine line where it becomes lazy just to say, I don't want to do anything and just be anti-establishment. And you just, you get into this kind of mindset where it's, well, none of this is worth it anyway, and uh, I'll just be fine, and I won't contribute to society at all, and yeah. I can live off welfare and just, you know, sort of coast forever. And um, that you can suffer f- from that stuff too, from a from a mental perspective. So it's not it's not that we're saying just just say fuck it and who cares and just do whatever the hell you want and be lazy. It's more just an evaluation it's process. A, that it's we're a way, like You can be ambitious without having a corporate job, but you just got to figure out what your ambition is and where that desire really lies. I mean, the part of the world we live in, in New York City, everyone's very, you know, career focused. Everyone's looking for promotion. They're looking to get the biggest office, the best salary, all this, this and that. But you think about it. You could make a job. I mean, this is like the season of Survivor. Shout out to Survivor again, <laughs> but it's millennials is one tribe. Like, right. there's a guy who's a snowboard instructor. You know, there's people that sell ice cream for a living. There's people that you know work with homeless people. Like, you like work for a nonprofit that that fulfills your goals. <laughs> um, but like, you can make you can make it doing something other than. You can make it doing something you enjoy. You can make it having a podcast and really just being producing yes, content. Like whether there's 75 to 100 people listening to it or 75 million people listening to it, you can get by on it. And if it's like, what is really important to you to get you by? Is it money? Okay. Well, if it's money, then maybe you should keep that job and maybe you should do all that. But if it's, money's not that important to you, like look at the people like. You know, Jordan, I mean, he may not be the best example because he did have some means built up before this, but he moved to Denmark, just went to school, and to move to further his career in the future. But, like, there's people that just quit everything and go travel for a while, and they live as poor people in other countries for their whole lives, and they just keep moving around. Or there's people that just give up everything and go live in the fucking forest or something yeah, like that. Yeah, which too. Who knows? <laughs> or go work on a weed farm or <laughs> like some shit like that. Right. I guess the problem is the people who just decide to live in their parents' basements and just mooch for their entire lives because it's one thing to not have a corporate job where you get paid. It's another to not contribute to society at all. And I guess I'm not saying there's an obligation where you have to be a, a contributing citizen because... I mean, your life is about you. That stuff is right. not the primary objective. Sure, it matters. It would be better to help ethically, help other people. But it's more for yourself. If you're not doing anything productive, after a while, you're going to feel like shit about it. Yeah. At least for most people. Yeah. I mean, that's something, too, that, like, my mom has asked me before. Like, if you could do anything you want, what would it actually be? And, like, I think my answer to her was, like, just I would be a guy who lays in bed and watches HBO. <laughs> <laughs> Like that, like that sounds right. pretty fun. But I know that would drive me fucking crazy after yeah. not even a whole week of that. I you would think go, that quick? I probably. I think I could do that for 
a month. In a month, but you need to really reevaluate what is important to you and figure out what that actually is. Um, and I forget what I was going to say after that, but I don't think people really think about it. Oh, the point I was going to make is it's hard to think about that while you're doing something else. Right. And I think something that, you know, is frustrating to me sometimes is that I'm so focused on the job I'm doing right now and the career that I'm building for myself that I don't really take the time to sit back and think like, what is actually fulfilling to me and what actually do I want? Do I want to sit and write an article? That's why I haven't written any articles guys. Cause I'm so focused. I'm using so much energy on my mad five that I'm just like not having time to, I don't have enough left in the tank to, to use a dumb cliche <laughs> to really put it towards that stuff that I'm really passionate about. So I'm losing passionate for things that I, I normally would care about. When I was in college, I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be an entertainer, blah, blah, whatever. But now, you know, I haven't had the chance to do that. So it's kind of, the fire's dying a little bit. It's sad. <laughs> You've sort of answered this, um, this internal question that I've been having for, I don't know, a week or two. I've, I've just been wondering, um, what do people think about all the time? Like people I know who, who work, let's say on average, 10 hours a day, 50 hours a week, what is going through those people's heads most of the time? Because work, 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 work. <laughs> that's a wow. That's that was lame. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think you've answered it because most people, yeah, they're, they're just thinking about their jobs all the time. And maybe they, they I don't think people realize the mental energy that goes into, I mean, you re, you realize it cause you're saying yeah. it, but the amount of thinking that goes into your job, there's not a lot of time or brain space left. I think it's, it's mostly the brain space thing left for this introspection because if you spend your entire day, let's say the first half of the day you're working hard or you're chatting with coworkers about uh, who knows, catching up on whatever you did this weekend. <laughs> right. Yeah. Classic <laughs> things people talk about. Oh, I'm down four points and I have a giant's defense. Uh, you think I got a shot on it? Yeah. Whatever people talk about. Mike, you think I got a shot? Mike's <laughs> <laughs> um, asking himself. <laughs> yeah. Mike is talking about, yeah, that's a good impression of a caller. That's awesome. Mike. Um, so you have people, yeah, they, they think, I guess they get a little bit of that stuff, but they're thinking about their job and then maybe they go to lunch and it's more of the, they're in their fucking cool. loops. They're in their loop. And then they, the second half of the day, it's just, they're working and maybe they're thinking about what they're going to do after work. And you don't really get that introspection if you're working that hard. And then if you're adding to the mix, um, any sort of outside problem, whether it's a relationship problem or just thinking about getting kid, right. If you have kids too, when do you ever have time or even an ability just, you know, you don't have that sort of freedom to think about any of this stuff. And I think that's the answer because I sit there at work, I guess I've been in training, so I haven't had to do as much as, you know, when I'm in like the peak of, of a job where I've been working there for a while and I sort of know what's going on and I have a lot of time to think, I guess, and I commute an hour each way every day. So I do a lot of thinking then. And I guess this is the stuff I think about, like what we're talking about right now and then doing the podcast and blogging. I do a lot of this introspection and it sort of was weird to me, like, why isn't anyone else doing this? Because you, you don't you don't hear this sort of dialogue from other people. But I think it's just that. I think it's just so much of a focus on their own their work loops and their relationship loops and their friend loops and their fantasy football loops. Yeah. And they, they they just don't really they don't really have the the energy to do it. Well, yeah, you'll text me some of these questions sometimes. I'm like, I can't look at this. I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have the energy or time to stop what I'm doing right now and to take this existential angst <laughs> into consideration. Mm-hmm. 
Really, because I'll get fucking thrown off whatever project I'm working on, and I need that. I need to focus it. And so you think about it, like there isn't anything left in the tank. Like you get, you think about the, you know, the stereotype, like the sitcom dad who gets home from work, and it's like his kids start running around. His wife's got a million problems. He's like, I just want to sit down and, and relax for ten minutes out of my day. It's like because the shit you have to do, the shit within your loop, it takes a lot out of you. Right. And it really is like. I don't know what would your ideal loop be. Would it be ideal to not have a loop to have every day be different? I I don't know if it's that extreme. Well, I was just imagining like Kevin James and King of Queens just meditating for two minutes an episode or something. Yeah. Or like Peter Griffin having a talk about what do you think the origin of the universe is? Like none of that. There's none. Of that. Well, they're sitcom dead. They got pretty fun scripted lives with all these wacky shit happening yeah. around them all the time. So they I guess break the re- their loops are broken. They'd be pretty boring sitcom. Yeah, things that's true. Normal loops. But I guess the real sitcom dad, the the actual dad who comes home from work is going to have dinner and maybe he'll exercise and you know, he's going to, he's going to do stuff with his family, but he's not going to actually think about the stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I having kids scares the shit out of me. It's like, right. You got, that becomes your ambition. That becomes the only thing you really, unless you're going to be a deadbeat or something like that. But <laughs> that's a yeah. point in your life where your your opportunity to really have the, take these chances and, you know, explore these other opportunities is kaput. Yeah. And that's why I think for people our age in their mid twenties, it's so important to ask these questions now while you don't have those sort of responsibilities, because if you're 25 and you do plan on having a family in the future, how much time do you have left before that's your primary motive? I know that's that's a yeah. Just the <laughs> shit out of you, right? But like some people are rushing towards that at a point. Like I know people I went to high school with got married and started families already. It's like they've rushed into it. That's what they wanted growing up when they were a little kid. I want to be a mommy. I want to be a daddy. Like I want to grow up and have a family. And they've rushed into it. They dated the same girl for fucking six, seven years and just figured, I don't know, it's about time. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a good Aziz quote. <laughs> it's like he asked his friend, this is an Aziz bit he did during a routine. It's actually his Buried Alive CD. Where it's like, uh, so, like, why did you guys, uh, like, well, how did you know your girlfriend was the one to marry? And she's like, I don't know, you know, Jewish in my zip code or something like that. It's like, I don't know, I've been dating for a while, so I guess it felt right or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's the kind of tone cadence you would say for like fucking ordering a pizza or something <laughs> like that. You don't need to make a huge life decision like starting a family and getting married just because you felt like you had to. Yeah, and that's that's the loop. And I feel like if you don't take the time when you're young to think about what it is you want and why you want it, then you end up... I mean, I don't want to just say you're going to get divorced in your forties, but like people, people are stuck where they are. You become more, there's yeah. more of a chance you get stuck in the situation you have the older you are. Yeah, definitely. And it's not to say that happens to everybody. I mean, it works out for some people. It works out for, for many people. Yeah. Families aren't bad. <laughs> no, families are, families are the primary goal for a lot of people, yeah. but you should know that that's your primary goal rather right. than just assuming it's your primary right. goal. You should actually think about it and say, okay, this is what I want. And then you can act on it yeah. rather than just falling into it. And if that's your loop and if that's what, you know, is your ambition good for you? I mean, that's, You've accomplished that that happiness that we're still trying to figure out. So, I mean, it's not to like shit on those people or say they're they're worse than us in any way. I mean, they figure out what they want, and there's there's no there's also that's another thing too that like people always think the first choice they make isn't going to be the best choice, but sometimes it is. Like you know, you can go out to eat 
you you walk by one restaurant, you say like, oh, that looks good. That I'd like to eat there. But then you keep let's say let's keep going, see if we find something better. Like maybe you don't find something better. Really. Like you can make the right choice on your first first decision. I think we know a lot of people that are. Uh, you know, they do that with all the decisions in their life. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't know if she's cool, but I don't know if I want to date her or anything like that. I could find someone better. It's like, I don't know if we want to go to that bar tonight. Like, let's keep looking around to see right. if there's a better option. Or it's like, I don't want to make these plans. Like, let's see what, what else is out there. It's like, uh, how do I know there isn't something better? Well, who cares, right? Yeah. If this is really good, then it's really good. All you need to do is just think about, is this really good? And if it is, then great. That mm-hmm. Then move on because... If it makes you happy... Yeah, it can't be that bad. <laughs> uh, let me think about that for a second. I think I mostly agree with that statement. Yeah. Um, so on the opposite end of the spectrum of the people who are stuck in in these work and relationship loops are, are we doing I, Jordan now. Yeah, Jordan we're, do, we're doing some Jordan Peterson. So uh, the opposite end of that is, I guess, the the really leftist people, the social justice warriors, for lack of a better term, because. Uh, some of our podcast idols like to reference them. And um, this guy, Jordan Peterson, who is a professor in Canada. Uh, sorry, Canadians, for last week. I know I said some <laughs> mean stuff about Canada, but like... But Jordan Peterson's Canadian. He's cool. Right, yeah. But like, seriously, Canada, what the fuck are you guys doing out, out there? Uh, so you have... Yeah, you have these people who are so censored. They censor themselves. They want to censor everything. Um, and it's, it's this fear of being offended. It's this fear of offending anyone else. We have to make sure that no one is sad. We have to make sure that everyone is, is just okay all the time. And it's, it's basically just, it's you're, censorship. censorship, <laughs> but you're, you're making it so weak for everyone. It's an attack on free speech. Yeah. And then, and that's the point of, uh, of this guy. So he's made the rounds on three of our favorite podcasts. It's Dave Rubin, God Sod, and Joe Rogan. And uh, those are three of the guys at the forefront of this anti-politically correct movement. Be- well, I guess the movement is political correctness and they're against it. Uh, so well, he's been on all three of their podcasts in the last week or so. You should explain the law in Canada first that he's like vehemently against. Right. So I explained it somewhat last week, but I'll, I'll, refresh, yeah, I'll, I'll refresh it again and maybe go into a little more detail. So in Canada, it is... I don't know if it's this way yet or it's just being – it's pending le- legislation uh, that it is a hate crime to not recognize somebody by the proper gender pronoun, uh, whether you do it on purpose or not. So if you think someone looks like a man and you see him on the street and you say, hey, what's up, dude, and they happen to be a girl, you, you can go to jail for that yeah. or at the very least be fined. Um, so I think this actually is law in Ontario and maybe some other parts of Canada, and it could become federal legislation, which it's is a really scary thing. Political correctness, right? You are giving people no room to to act. It's you're imposing fear, and and this guy Jordan Peterson basically descri- he describes on e- on each of these podcasts that he's appeared on how that's that's the the methodology where you get to a communist regime because. First, you start with an honest and truthful society, and then some people get offended and scared, and you start censoring, and people can't tell the truth, and now people are covering things up, and you're living with this umbrella of deceitfulness, and the next step from that is people start – people are unable to say what they want, and when a person in charge limits people from speaking – then you have you breed fear. You breed fear, and, and people anti-truth. It's anti-truth, and you you 
basically stifle all creativity because people are not allowed to talk. And this feeds into the legal system. And there, there's this potential, I think the way I would describe it, the, the best way I can describe it is you're adding this fragility and rigidity to the system where you're confining people into this small space. And if something bad happens, no one has any ability to deal with it. And it basically just increases risk for everything. So I think that that's his argument. I think I mostly agree with it. It may not be as as scary as he puts it, at least not in America, but in Canada. I mean, there's no reason why the, the, the steps they've taken so far, this certainly seems feasible. And he, uh, he's a professor at the university of Toronto and he is, his job is being threatened because he refuses to acknowledge all of these gender pronouns and he refuses to censor himself. And what he said, uh, I think it was when he was on with Dave Rubin, he talked about he talked about staging a debate at the school. He wanted the school to sponsor a debate where he could just talk about these issues. And they said, okay, we'll let you do the debate, but you have to use the gender pronouns. So they, they are essentially limiting his free speech in a debate about free speech. And the whole thing, to me at least, it seems really perverse and kind of psychotic. Yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing. We, we can agree hate crimes exist. There mm -hmm. are hateful people in the world. Yes. There are crimes of offense that should be punishable by law. I mean, like burning a cross on someone's lawn, that's that's a direct hate crime, right? Yes. I'm not saying that this is along those lines. I'm just establishing that hate crimes in and of themselves do exist. You can cause a hate crime based on the words you say, based on the way you speak to someone. You know, that you can, this is a possibility, right? So we can establish that, that this is something real, but it's troublesome in the fact that how are you going to measure it? So how do you, is, you know, calling someone a racial slur and telling them that they're unqualified for a certain job or role based on nothing more than a stereotype against their race, that's a hate crime. Like, I think we can establish that. But being ignorant to the term, I don't know 37 fucking gender pronouns. Like, <laughs> I, I know think, three. I think <laughs> there's more than that. I, I know him, he, she, and Z. Like, is Z, Z the blanket term for everything Z other is, than a man Is that or what woman? you made up today? Or is that no, right? I didn't make that up. That's legit. Like, Z is... Spelled Z-H-E? Yeah, that's legit. Okay, like, That's wow. a real one. So I wouldn't have even known to call it. Yeah, exactly. That. So I know that, but it's like, we're not educated enough as a society to know all the different traits. And it's like, sometimes it is an honest mistake. And so you get to the point of censorship where people who aren't even intending to use this language as hate speech or as a weapon against someone of a different race or orientation or whatever it may be, you're, you're censoring people without educating them. And I think that's where the real issue comes in. And like, this is why Jordan Peterson is, you know, I, I support what he's doing because he wants it to be informed. He wants it to be educational and he doesn't want it to be censorship. I mean, yes, free speech is something that is a right in Canada, I guess. I mean, it's, it's right in America. I, I don't really think so. It doesn't seem like it. But here's where it becomes ironic because once you empower the people that are taking offense to this, how much better is that than trying to stop, you know, the true bigots and the true hatred out there? I mean, it goes... It's part of 
you know, arming like these social justice warriors with ammunition to go back against the people they've been, they felt slighted by their entire lives. But then they're using the same tactics against the people that they feel should be punished that the people who they feel should be punished were using against them. So it's like, it's so fucking ironic when you have these social justice warriors saying like, oh, you're a straight white man. Wow. You really, you have the right to tell me what to do. Well, it's like, you just fucking, uh, you know, you put me in a box for being a straight white man without really understanding my situation. Well, it's really, it leads to, you know, a very slippery slope in how we're judging these situations and how we're going to measure the level of offense that should be punished with, you know, a jail sentence or a higher fine or whatever else. And it's just a stupid fucking thing to do, really. I mean, but how, where do you draw the line over like, okay, this should be punished, but this is okay. It's all, it's arbitrary. It's gray area. It's fucking difficult. So, you know, freedom of speech exists for that reason to, to prevent from that difficult conversation and that difficult level of measurement. And yeah, you mentioned the enforcement problem. How do you, how do you really know what someone, well, I guess if you don't care what they meant, then you don't care what they meant, but it's like, oh, you just called me the N-word walking down the street? That's $1,000 fine. And it's like, oh, you burned a cross on my lawn and didn't give me a job? You're going to jail. <laughs> it's like, yeah. and where do you draw that line? And also, how do you prove that? Exactly. So you, someone's tattling on someone else is a bit of what, what me and Max talked about last week is yeah. you're, you're just going to go tell on somebody, oh, this guy called me, a, he called me an asshole. Okay. okay. What, prove it. <laughs> yeah. You just immediately criminalize that person. I, I don't, I don't really understand. And in Canada, uh, this was another point that was made on uh, the podcast that we mentioned that they are, they sort of have a different burden of proof where it's not really innocent until proven guilty for hate crimes. It's preponderance of evidence. So it yeah. all, it's a far lower threshold for what constitutes being guilty. And that means that people will be very, very likely punished in mass numbers for accidentally saying offensive things. Yeah, and people are wrongfully accused of many different crimes all the time. So this becomes another, this becomes a much easier weapon. And it is a weapon, make no, make no joke about that. That is, it is a fucking weapon to have this on your side. And that's why it's dangerous. It's a scary time to be living in this where we're, you know, having this become laws where people can arm themselves with this kind of, you know, use of, oh, well, he called me something I don't like. I can put an attack on it. It's like a witch hunt. You know, people are going to be burned at the stake pretty soon. You yeah. know, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. This is what Nathaniel Hawthorne was warning us about when he wrote the crucible. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, um, it's not even a stretch to say, this isn't a stretch to draw this conclusion from what's going on. Um, the conclusion being that with these new laws, people will stop speaking their minds as much. You, there's no way that if, if you can possibly be accused of something for saying a word like fart, for example, um, there's no way you're going to be as, as open about anything. And people will just become even more robotic than they already are. And that's a huge problem for society. And it, it basically is taking power away from the people. And it's, it's not really putting it in the hands of anyone specifically, but the establishment has all the control. The legal system has all the control. And that, that's a scary thing. And that's, you get rebellion from that. That is when rebellion happens. Um, I don't think we're near that point in America and I'm not even sure if we're near it in Canada, 
but it's a slippery slope when you start censoring people to this it extent. Be close. Yeah, I just want to correct myself. Arthur Miller wrote The Crucible, not Nathaniel Hawthorne. Okay. I don't sound like a fucking idiot. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I would have realized. But that's For a, a couple listeners that did know and thought I was an idiot. So, listeners, give Sturm some credit because uh-huh. he just corrected himself right there, right uh-huh. in the moment. But yeah, I mean, it's like, it, yeah, it's. Who knows what it's going to do in the next week, but, you know, in the next month or in the next six months once we have President Trump in office, like, we're kind of, like, if he's armed with the power to, because that's what he does, basically, he's a fucking witch hunter. Like, he says, you know, Crooked Hillary, I'm going to throw her in jail. Like, she did this bad, she did this bad, this is why you should hate her and vote for me. Like, he basically has the power now to call out people he doesn't like. He's a giant tattletale. Right, and he's, you know he's making that more acceptable for other people to grow up. And I think, what a, think of the children, man. Think of the children that are going to grow up in Trump's America thinking that's the normal way to act and that's the normal way to do it and say, seeing that, oh, well, our president has made it acceptable to just punish people he doesn't like because of something they did to slight him. Is that the way things grow? That ignores due process and that ignores... The fucking founding fathers' laws put in place. Chief would love this, right? <laughs> yeah, he um, would. but yeah, it's it's fucking silly, and that it just kind of scares me that a government. I mean, Canada's—they're not insignificant. I mean, they're not a huge world power, but still, when a, a government of a country that large can start acting this way, and our government of the most powerful nation in the world is putting a fucking person like Donald yeah. Trump. and Canada's right here in proximity. They're yeah. relevant, at least based on that, and they're a large country. And it's scary how that power can be manipulated, and it scares me what it's going to be used for. It, it's pretty scary, although if we have a big artificial intelligence problem where robots like in Westworld starts rebelling, none of this will really even matter, so... Yeah, it um it scares me a little to think about how fickle all of this stuff is yeah. if uh, if we start having to worry about intelligent machines and if politically correct mobs start becoming fickle, how fickle are our stupid fucking jobs and relationships? <laughs> it's like it's like what are what are we talking about right now? Like how much does this stuff even matter? Um you know, people worry about stuff that's just too small, I guess. Yeah, man. Just fucking do what makes you happy. <laughs> do what makes you happy, really. Uh, we have some time left. Do you want to? Do I want to get into the the artificial intelligence we explanation have, a little what more? Are we on a, a clock here. Yeah, what do you mean we have time left? Like we're gonna run it's, out. Uh, nine, it's nine forty eight p.m. We have to go to sleep like within the next seven hours or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be at work within the next. That's 11 hours, I guess. <laughs> so we have 11 hours left on the pod. What do you want to talk about? So, <laughs> so yeah, I think we can do this for 11 hours. Um, so, yeah, I guess the talk about the future and the talk about Westworld, I think it's sort of a relevant topic. So the artificial intelligence take, uh, I've gathered it from listening to a bunch of different people, scientists, whatever, Sam Harris and company talk about mm-hmm. it. Um, basically, what I've gathered about artificial intelligence is that people say – Generally, it's far away. We don't care. Um, the counter argument is, well, let's say hypothetically, um, a bunch of aliens showed up and said, we're going to show up at planet Earth in 50 years. Get ready. The preparation would start. <laughs> you call the, your friends. I'll call my friends. Meet us right? at the fucking Pentagon. And, <laughs> and, I, and I don't even mean a war. I mean just like we're gonna start living amongst you in fifty years. We'd have to get the laws ready. We'd have to get. We'd have to get uh, uh, armies ready. We'd have to get everything ready. Things would change. So to say, artificial intelligence 
um, this super artificial being that is at least as smart as a human, this general intelligence that basically acts like a person, like a Westworld robot, who is at least as smart as us, to say it's, oh, it's only 50 years away, that is soon. I mean, at least most of the people listening will be old by then, so whatever, who cares? But right. it's not really that simple because the closer it gets, it's going to be a gradual build to have these intelligent things. It's, it's, a, it's a problem that we have to deal with now, and I guess the biggest issue is that there's no reason to suspect that the machines will have compatible interests with us, and that's that I think is the largest problem where you can't just assume that the ethics and morals of a machine will align with that of a human because, let's say hypothetically you tell a machine, not even a generally intelligent one, just a... Uh, Computer program, cure cancer, right? You set it to cure cancer. We have a machine that can cure cancer. Well, one solution is kill all the humans. Then there won't be any more cancer. <laughs> right. uh, that's a pretty efficient solution. Right. Right. Or uh, people are, uh, people have a, there's a drought going on in Africa or something. We need water. Humans have water. They can take it from us. Yeah. There are so many ways that this can go wrong right. even before we have but robots that are... them to value human life. Right. So that, well, so this is one of the arguments I've heard is that we have these people in um, in government positions who write tax codes, and their job is to close as many loopholes as possible. We want to align the incentives of the people with the most money with the incentives of the greater good. And no matter how hard they try, there are always these little these little leaks. There's always loopholes. They yeah. can close them, and then there's always another loophole. There's new technology. Loopholes keep coming up. So no matter how hard we try with these machines to make their their motives align perfectly with ours it's not possible to make it perfect. So that that seems inevitable that any smart enough machine will think of a new way to do a problem that we have not conceived of yet. Yeah, and that's their programming, that's their program. I mean, this is the doomsday movie scenario where the, the any movie where the robots overtake the humans is because they've, they're so smart that they deem the biggest threat to the, the planet Earth is humans. In and of themselves, like to cure global warming, get rid of humans. I mean, that would, that would be help. A pretty good idea. Um, it's a scary thought. I mean, I just googled some articles. It says intelligent robots will overtake humans by twenty one hundred. Experts say. I mean, that's it's what's that? Seventy five, eighty five years. Yeah, that's you know? that's pretty soon. That's pretty soon. And like, I remember like Stephen Hawking thinks this, and like mm -hmm. some other like Elon Musk people, also was there. Musk. Yes, I mean, it's not like. Fucking crazy conspiracy theorists. These are like legit, you know, credible people. These are very smart. These are the smartest people. Yeah. So, I mean, but it's it's hard to, it's, it's, it's tricky because it's both ways because we can develop robots that are, you know, far and away going to be good for the earth and going to be able to solve a lot of these problems. But how do you, like you say, how do you stop them from thinking the solution to these problems is just get rid of all humans, which could probably be the solution to every problem. <laughs> I think it would solve most <laughs> things. Of, yeah, definitely and, a lot of things. And like, I think their argument is like, they're going to get so smart to the point where they're just like problem solving skills and their programming and analytics will be able to override any kind of programming within that a human could input into it. And I think that's where Westworld's kind of going to go where the, the robots get so sentient and then they realize 
you know, the humans aren't really necessary to what they need and they're kind of bad. Like, the humans are the real villain. Like, how many movies have had that as the message? Yeah. <laughs> Overall. I don't even think that that necessarily has to be the case for it to be really, really dangerous because even if the robots just view us as unnecessary, like, they're not they're not rebelling against us necessarily. They, they don't have to be evil because that's, a lot, that's what a lot of people perceive as the problem. Just make them not yeah. evil. Well, just if they disregard us, then, you know, the way we... They would be smart to do that. Yeah, like the way that we look at bugs. They're just these small things. We don't care about them. We'll do whatever we want. We'll just step on them, basically. That would be just as bad, if not worse, for them yeah. to just completely disregard us and use us as resources. There's also there's theories out there that if all the ants in the world, like, joined forces, they could overtake the human race there's as well. There's so many ants. <laughs> there's, like, way there's, more there's ants. Like, I don't even know if you can put a number on it. I don't think you I think the way to think about it is the combined weight of every ant equals the combined weight of every human. I don't know. Is, is it more? I'm, it I'm might be more. Pretty sure. Yeah, it's something more. like that. But if you weight all of them, mm-hmm. they could easily overtake us, I think, is the argument. But yeah. it's like with Good robots. thing they don't work together. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, we don't need robot ants on us. <laughs> that would be way worse. <laughs> but the thing with ants are just like humans. There's like 100 million different races of ants, and they all fucking hate each other. So they're never going to get on the same page. But robots, they might. They don't feel hatred or these dumbass PC bullshit yeah, <laughs> arguments. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. What is the real point? Like, do we need to get over our dumb fucking drama? Like, saying fart in Congress and being PC and all this other bullshit and well, really th- think about the oncoming threats of AI taking over? Right. Well, this is why it's so Can important. Can we even stop it? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Well, this is why it's so important to, to know truth, right? To not to not censor yourself, to hide truth, because I think that's one of the biggest problems with censorship is people don't say the truth. And if you don't know what's actually going on in the world, then you're much more prone to mistakes, even on a way smaller yeah. scale than artificial intelligence, just in terms of government decisions, decisions who we elect. You know, people aren't as educated. They may elect a shitty president that we don't like. But it can be even worse. (laughs) It can be way worse if the censorship increases. The ramifications get even worse. Um, There is a there's an additional problem though with the artificial intelligence intelligence thing though. Other than them just being smarter than us, if they are programmed to correct themselves too, then what you potentially get is this runaway effect where. They just keep fixing themselves exponentially, and you have robots that are trillions of times smarter than we are. It can process so fast, better and better right? And better. It's an exponential increase. Like and Watson, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it and it it um it becomes impossible to contain them at that point. And there's no way we can even conceive of what they might think for lack. I mean, whether yeah. it's thinking or programming or whatever, the creativity they will have to disregard us or destroy us or wherever. Yeah. You know, it's something we definitely need to worry about. I mean, it worries me, but at the same time, I don't really think about it that much because it's far away, therefore we don't care. But also, you know, we as a country, it's not a sexy topic. Like, people don't want to be like, oh, yeah, robots taking over. Let's really get together and rally against that. <laughs> no, like, let's see what Snooki, like, what she weighs now yeah. these days. And, like, How much make fun of fucking, like, what did Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie do to get divorced or whatever the fuck? Or, like... You know, people want to care. I don't know why those. Are, how did it become like those are the things that people want it's to just care the about? Easiest, simplest to. stuff to care about when you're done with your nine to five and don't want to think about difficult things. Oh my god! Give me the easiest so shit. The nine to five is to blame for uh, all this horseshit. Right? That's what like, I'm saying. Yeah, the censorship so consumed in their loops that they don't have time to really think about the the real problems and the real threats out there. That's what I was thinking about with the the question in my head of what do people think about. 
I'm not just curious. It's a real <laughs> issue that people do not think about anything. Plenty of people just don't think about anything of importance. And yeah, it's a problem. But I mean, do you think if you and I devoted, if we just said right now, we need to stop everything and devote ourselves to solving this AI problem, okay. would we be able to do anything about this is, it? This, this, is why, this is why I'm happy you asked that question. I, I, yeah, I was hoping you'd go there. So no, definitely not. We, we will not. What I think we can do though is if we can talk about it on this podcast, right? Yeah. People can become educated. They can understand this is an issue. And when we have fucking elections, people can elect the people who, the people who actually, the yeah, the yeah. people who actually can impact this stuff. I think that's that's all we can do. We can do that, and we can make it in, uh, you know, important to learn in schools. Like we can train kids that are going to be able to fight it, and, and like raise our children to believe in the important issues and like climate change and AI killing everybody and all this kind of shit. But no, our kids want to grow up and play video games and we want to worry about, you know, what they're eating and what they're watching and, you know, what they're jerking off to and all this <laughs> other fucking shit. Like, you know, when there are more pressing issues, but no one can agree on what the real issues actually are. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, the do whatever you want argument sort of contradicts that, but I don't think it does entirely because basically what we're advocating is evaluate. It's not just quit your job and do whatever it's start thinking. Yeah. That's all. Because if you start thinking, you may have realizations like, wait a minute, I don't really care about this job. I'm only doing it for money, mm. but I actually have enough money. I don't, I don't really need to do this job and maybe I can do something else that I enjoy more or I can think about how to save the world. I don't know. But people can have just do different things than, or at least consider doing different things is the, is the whole point. Yeah. Making. But it's so hard to convince people to that. Like this is an actual problem. Like I think like people listening to this, like, are they gonna think it's funny? Or are they gonna actually like get up in arms and be like, "Yo, dude, we gotta do something about these fucking robots"? What do you think, Mike? Do you think we gotta shout against these robots? Like, because it is funny to think about how dumb we actually are uh-huh. and all this kind of shit. But what am I gonna do tomorrow? Am I gonna go out and start a fucking anti-robot clan and like start like breaking all my machines and shit? Like, no, like I, I'm not gonna do anything. Like. It's kind of troubling. To I guess, but really. we're doing, we're talking about it and some people will listen. So that's a, that's something I think yeah. that I don't want to toot our own horns too much, but this is, this is more than most people are doing. Right. But it's like at the same time, like how much do I actually care about this? Like, I don't really know. Well, it's <laughs> like, a, I'm not going to be around. What do I give a Right. Fuck? It's a weird <laughs> thing to plan ahead for something. Let's, let's make it more relevant than 50 years. Let's say we... Sorry. Got it. Almost <laughs> dropped the glasses. Um, let's make it more relevant and say that we knew that this would be a problem in 20 years. In our lifetime. In our lifetime. People still would have a hard time wrapping their heads around it. Until because, they, the bombs actually start dropping. Right, because you think about a problem like this, oh, the robots are going to do things that we don't know what they're doing. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds well, once it insane. starts, we're not going to be able to stop it. Right. It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard. People have a very hard time grasping the future. There's, yeah. it's so hard to think about and it's usually not what you expect. So, yeah. you know, people have a very easy time grasping the present. This is what's in front of me. I can do this task. I can think about this right now, but when it's the future or even the past, really, there's so much, there's so much change. There's so much, there's just something that's, it's not, it's not there. It's not tangible. So people have a very hard time conceiving of it and I guess you sort of have to a little, but we, we do acknowledge that it's, it's very difficult. Right. 
Even but for I mean, ourselves. Yeah, but you know, our jobs are to do certain things, and the people who build these machines, it's their job to you know program a failsafe or program. Like, I mean, the people who create it are the people who should be responsible for stopping it once it does come. Yeah. Or are they thinking about it? That's the real scary question. But it's probably no. I think some of them have. Well, to if be. Apple products rise up against us, we can be you know comfortable in the fact that they'll they'll just all die after five years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're all programmed yeah. to break anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess if it was up to me, and I could, I could talk to the people building the machines. Yeah, that yeah that that sounds realistic. Um, but but I'm not gonna. I, no one's gonna. Take that meeting with you, <laughs> right? Well, if, I, if if it were up to me, I would all I would say is slow down and think about what you're doing. Yeah. Not that we have to not build intelligence, because if we actually can find an efficient way to cure cancer through a machine, obviously that's something we all want. We should do it, yeah. Right. Even if it causes some short-term suffering, right. if we can help humanity in the long run, it's probably worth it. Obviously, we're not going to cure cancer by killing all the humans, but. I mean, that would definitely cure cancer. It definitely, well, yeah. Animals could get cancer. We'd too. kill everything. <laughs> we'd Robot overlords. Or we'd blow up the planet. Then there's no cancer on Earth. Yeah. There's no Earth. Robot overlords just, this is what's ethically good. Or they could just deem that everything. And they don't give a fuck about being alive. They'll just die they, too. Right. They, they aren't. They aren't actually alive necessarily, so they oh, they don't man. need oxygen, we right? Shouldn't be, be laughing, but people like Stephen Hawking and Elon Musk, the people that have that platform and are the the leaders in technology and science, they are speaking up about it. But if they are saying something, people still right. aren't doing anything about it. People building robots. Well, people building robots will take a meeting with Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking. I think. Right. Elon Musk is actually partially responsible for the building process. He yeah. is is on that track, so. Yeah, I would, he needs to just kind of relax and focus on only like less things. He's focusing on too many different. He, he's spread himself too thin. You think? Yeah, maybe. Maybe I don't know. Could work out for him. He's smarter than I am. He's definitely yeah. He's smarter than us combined, probably. <laughs> yeah, and all seventy-five of one hundred of our listeners. Yeah, all you guys. Just kidding. We love you guys. No, that, yeah, <laughs> no, no, that's not mean. He's a brilliant guy. <laughs> All right, I don't know. Do we have anything else? That, I don't know. I that always, we always end, I'm always sad when these things are <laughs> Why? Because you wanted to talk more? <laughs> no, because the topics we talk about are just so angsty. <laughs> yeah. that, but the angstiness is good. Then we can just go back and, uh, I don't know, we can watch some stupid-ass TV shows. I'm definitely going to watch the newest episode of Westworld. Oh, you're going you're gonna to keep the angst going. Yeah, but I got a feeling Kill All Humans is coming. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're ready now. We've just talked about it for. What are we gonna do? Like, if that computer started fucking us right now, like you, took out a little mean, computer dick and tried to fuck <laughs> like both that of us, would be able to stop it. Can I just hit it? If the well, if you're no, talking to signal in the microwave, and the microwave is gonna toast your brains, and then the coffee pot's gonna cut you with some glass, and the TV's gonna electrocute your butthole. So you're talking about a simultaneous technology rape from all the appliances yeah, in your every apartment. Every <laughs> electronic thing in this apartment started acting up. Would we be able to stop it? I don't think so. <laughs> well, fuck. We're already well, dead. Well, fuck. See you next time. See you next time.